Hello, this is Brighter Evening, a podcast where we discuss fun, food, and ideas to make the world brighter. Good evening, my name is Josh, and this is Brighter Evening. Tonight, we're going to talk about some snacks, some treats uh, that you can find as appetizers or side items at restaurants. And um, I find each of these interesting in their own way. And what I'm going to do is just kind of talk about the history and maybe talk a little bit about my preferences with these and then uh, kind of reflect on some of the similarities. So the first one we're going to talk about is tater tots. Now, if you've never had a tater tot, maybe you're not from a place where they're sold or uh, you've just never tried them. Uh, They're a little cylindrical uh, thing. They're kind of crispy on the outside with a creamy texture on the inside. And they're primarily made of potatoes. They were created by the Orida Company in 1953. And Orida is a frozen potato company. They sell uh, pre-made fries and things that you can uh, fry up and, and eat, or you can bake them in your oven. And what they were looking for was a way to deal with their potato scraps. Uh, they, you know, shaved and cut and shaped a tremendous amount of potatoes. And at the end, they had a lot of scraps that they were just throwing away. And so they were looking for a way to not waste that food. Um, I'm sure it was some mix of profits and, and uh not wanting to waste food. And so they developed this uh, this food in 1953, and they first got it to market in 1956. So it took about three years to bring to market. Uh, interestingly, tater tots are a trademark of Orida. Uh, there are other things similar to them, or that use the same process, same kind of flavor, under different names. But Tater Tots is the name that they're best known in. I think the most famous scene of Tater Tots in any movie is probably Napoleon Dynamite, where Napoleon Dynamite sticks some tots in his pocket um, that he had, had asked his friend to save for later. Um, and and really that makes sense to me because you know, so much of Napoleon Dynamite takes place at and around the school. Uh, it's you know high school age movie, and I definitely associate Tater Tots with school lunches. Uh, you know, the, the, the lunch you get from the, the school cafeteria. And I imagine that that association is pretty strong. That said, you can, of course, buy them in the frozen section. And there's some fast food places that carry them. They're pretty easy to prepare. You put them on a baking sheet and bake them for you know, a half hour or 40 minutes or something like that. Uh, maybe it's 12 minutes. It's been a while since I've done it. Um, but But it's pretty quick and easy. Some fast food places carry them. Um, lately, you know, bars and restaurants and, and places like that have been picking up as well and trying to find a way to take them beyond the side item realm and into the appetizer realm, which means bringing up the price point and making them a little bit higher quality. So to be kind of restaurant quality as a side item, they've got to, they've got to get them really crispy and hot. And so they've got nice deep fryers at these places. So that's what they do. They deep fry tater tots, and that immediately, you know, takes it up to at least side item quality. But to bring it beyond that to something you can serve as an appetizer, especially at a place like a bar where the cooking equipment usually isn't that good, they'll they'll do things like cover them in, in cheese and bacon or put other toppings on them to make them a little bit fancier and be able to bring up the price point where they're looking for. 
So, uh, you know, my preference on tater tots really is just, um, you know, I, I just like a simple tater tot, you know, deep fried. Um, you get one of the one of the ones from the fast food chains that, that carry it, or or uh, fast casual type chains like Johnny Rockets uh, carries tater tots now. To me, that's about as good as you're going to do with tater tots. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is nachos, and nachos actually are from Mexico, um, which is which is funny, right? Because if you're familiar with the story of chili con carne, you know, chili as we typically call it in the United States, it was not a Mexican uh, food originally. It really was a food from Texas for people who'd show up at weddings and they'd want to uh, you know, have some kind of authentic Mexican cuisine, and they were looking for something inexpensive, and so they said, "This is chili con carne." Nice Mexican-sounding name, I guess, for for people who weren't familiar, and it it satisfied people's desire. Of course, chili's become an institution, and and so have nachos. So nachos come from a town called Piedras Negras, Coahuila, in Mexico, which is just over the border from Eagle Pass, Texas, and uh, it was named after a man named Ignacio Anaya, whose nickname was Nacho. Um, they were invented in 1943 when some U.S. service members stopped by the, the hotel where he worked, and they wanted a snack. And he went; they weren't. He wasn't ready for an influx of customers. They didn't have a lot in the kitchen at the time, so he went in to figure out what he could prepare. He fried up some tortillas, took them out, added some cheese, melted it in the oven, chopped up some jalapenos, and brought it out. And they said, well, "What is this called?" And he said. Nachos Especiales, right? Nachos Special. And the name kind of stuck. You know, it was popular in that area of of Mexico. It, of course, was popular over the border in Texas because it was in a border area, right? There's a lot of exchange of ideas and cuisine and things. Um, you know, Tex-Mex cooking is, is definitely a distinct style that takes stuff from, you know, kind of Texan ideas and stuff from Mexican ideas and, and comes up with something that's distinctive, but would generally be recognized as Mexican food, and this is kind of part of that. Uh, and so the name spread. It it was uh, going around Texas. By 1950, there's a recorded entry of it, of the word nacho in English, and uh, it spread from there. Now, interestingly, the definition of nachos seems to vary depending on where you're from. Um, certainly in the United States, nachos is specifically... Tortilla chips with um, melted cheese and other toppings, usually spicy. Um, although you could do, uh, like at 7-Eleven, you can go get your nacho chips, and, and instead of putting cheese in the tortilla, if you want, you can put chili or you can put both. Um, you put onions, you can put all kinds of stuff. It really just depends on your preference, but kind of the, the common themes are tortilla chips and something spicy. In, in at least in Ecuador, I've seen that the word nacho just refers to the tortilla chip and doesn't really imply that it's as much of a completed item. And so I, I haven't seen nachos on a lot of menus in other places, so I kind of imagine that in, in places outside the United States where it has spread and outside of Mexico where it's spread, the, the connotation of that stuff is probably a bit different. Um, now, what's interesting is the nachos is originally described, this original recipe of fried tortillas, folded, fried, 
added some cheese, add some jalapenos. It doesn't sound that far off from what you'd expect from nachos, but it's not really what I think of as sort of your commercially available nachos, right? The the little button you hit to get cheese at 7-Eleven, that's what I'm thinking of when I think of nachos, or the the ones that they would sell at, at a you know football stadium or something. And I think there's a reason for that. Nachos weren't known nationally up until the 70s. Um, Texas Rangers, a uh, uh, baseball team, had started serving nachos because a company had developed a way to create a cheese sauce that was able to be kept hot and you could just scoop it on so it's a much easier to serve uh, item. And they'd figured out how to sell it. They, Because it was Texas, they were able to get it in there and, and it was fairly popular. It made it over to the um, the football stadium. And so um, the, the, the Cowboys would when they're playing, have have this available in the stands. And there was a famous announcer, Howard Cosell, who really liked nachos. And so he started mentioning them in broadcasts. If he really liked a play, he said he'd say it was a nacho of a play. And it got people really interested in what it was, and so it introduced it to a very wide audience. Because of that, the, um, the, the idea spread and... I mean, certainly by the 90s, nachos were, you know, a staple, right? If you if you go back to, like, episodes of Beavis and Butthead, there's at least one episode where they're buy, getting free nachos that are, you know, expired and have bugs in it and stuff, but they don't care because they're free. Um, so for me, I think uh, what, what really makes a good nacho is the quality of the ingredients, the variety, you know, maybe some... some uh, you know, pico de gallo, some jalapenos, things like that. I like thin-sliced uh, fresh jalapenos or, or, like, diced fresh jalapenos, personally. Um, as as uh, regular listeners know, I don't really have uh, much opportunity to put dairy in my diet because of the problems it gives me, so uh, I generally do have them without cheese or with some kind of non-dairy cheese. Uh, but, you know, the chili, chili works. That's why I always think about that with 7-Eleven. That's how I normally have them. All right, our third food today is buffalo wings. Um, now, the the common story that you'll hear is that buffalo wings were created in the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York in 1964. And whether or not they were fully created there, uh, th- there are some other stories that are out there that maybe, maybe they're not 100% from the Anchor Bar. We'll talk about those. But certainly, the Anchor Bar is definitely a big part of the history and popularizing uh, buffalo wings. So I know that there are some international listeners, they've probably never had a good buffalo wing because they're very hard to get outside of the United States. Um, they're not hard to get, but good ones are hard to get. So um, the way you create a buffalo wing is you fry and possibly also bake a chicken wing. So you'll take a chicken wing, and the chicken wing has three parts. It has what's called the drumette, which is the part closest to the chicken, followed by the flat, which is a little bit further out, and then off the end of the flat is this little kind of tip piece. And you cut off the tip piece, and you split the flat from the drumette. The drumette looks like a little miniature drumstick that you'd have from the chicken leg. And so those get 
deep fried and or baked. Um, certainly deep fried in almost every case. It might also get baked uh, depending on how you're doing it. And then they're going to be coated in buffalo sauce. Now their buffalo wing places will serve other sauces than buffalo sauce, but buffalo sauce is kind of the key differentiator to make it a buffalo wing. So if you're not really familiar with what that is, you're probably wondering how to make buffalo sauce. Um, it, buffalo sauce is pretty simple. You take a vinegar-based uh, pepper sauce. So Frank's Red Hot sauce is probably the most common um, sauce that's used, but there are plenty of others. And these sauces are uh, mixed with butter. Now, depending on how spicy the pepper sauce is and the ratio of, of butter to um, saw, vinegar sauce, hot sauce, right? Your, your kind of Louisiana-style hot sauce. Or, uh, or maybe Carolina-style hot sauce, you know, depending on, on how it's made. You're, you're going to end up with a spicier or less spicy variant. Now, the reason I say Louisiana-style, you know, Tabasco is a a vinegar-based pepper sauce using Tabasco peppers from Avery Island. Uh, I don't think it's commonly used as the sauce for buffalo wings, but but you can, and it tastes really good if you do. Um, they usually use a, a different type of sauce that isn't aged for so long. Um, they, that, that's what gives Tabasco its distinct flavor. So um, that's that's kind of the key thing to making the sauce. And, and you'll get a variety, right? There are fairly mild ones where... You know, it's it's like uh, you know, like the store brand hot sauce or like Texas Pete's hot sauce, which is not hot at all. Um, Texas Pete's, really, all these hot sauces, their vinegariness isn't isn't a major factor in the feeling, and that's why I kind of hesitate to say Carolina style hot sauces because Carolina barbecue has these spicy vinegar sauces, and vinegar is very much a strong component of that flavor. So, uh, I, I really would kind of, you know, point to Louisiana hot sauce being the source of this, or at least what I would, what I'd consider Louisiana style hot sauce. So, um, there are several stories as to how the Anchor Bar or John Young, um, came up with this idea for Buffalo Wings. So the first is they needed a fast and easy snack. Uh, they needed to create a snack that was quick because uh, someone showed up unannounced. I think it was the sun, and looked around and, and saw what was in the kitchen. You know, it was the son and his friends, and came up with the idea of deep frying the chicken wings, which they hadn't thrown out because yet, but they would have, or they're going to use them for stock. They just had them around. Um, another was that. Um, you know, they're looking for something uh, available late at night, um, and they came up with the idea for chicken wings. Another variant of the story is that they were delivered wings instead of backs and necks for making their special spaghetti sauce, and so they tried to figure out what to do with it. Um, all these are plausible. The The one thing that kind of comes through is that chicken wings were considered like a waste product on chicken practically up until this time. And you can see why. They're small, there's not a lot of meat. But if they're cooked right, and they're very crispy, uh, they're, they're really good. And chicken wings are now one of the more expensive parts of a chicken, which is kind of amazing. It means there's a lot of demand, and something that was waste is now being used. Obviously a positive thing. Um, the, this idea of 
it was a a waste product um, in some sense. It was what was around. Right? There's threads of tater tots. There's threads of notches there. There's even a thread in my mind going to like Annapolis, Maryland, and Old Bay seasoning, where the story is that years and years and years ago in Annapolis, the bars wanted to get people to drink more. And so if you bought your drinks there, they would give you free crabs to eat. And they wanted a very salty seasoning to use to make people more thirsty. And so that's how they came up with Old Bay, which is salty and a little bit spicy. And it's got a a variety of flavors in it. So I kind of see that thread. And that's kind of a commonality, right? You have this, how do we use this stuff that we already have? Um, This, you know, desire to take advantage of something that's not that expensive and turning it into something you might call a delicacy, right? Something where, well, it wasn't the best one, but now it is It is the one you want. And, uh, you know, kind of the, the I've got to find a way to solve this problem now, right? I've, you know, certainly, certainly in the case of nachos, right, that's the story. Uh, I need to service these customers, but I don't have very much. Um, the first story of the buffalo wings of, you know, the, the kid came back from college with some friends. What are we going to do? Um, you know, the, the, the stories I think are appealing because it, it comes down to this idea that necessity is the mother of innovation. Um, but there is another story, um, that doesn't involve the anchor bar in particular, which is a guy named John Young. He created a restaurant called John Young's Wings and Things, and he'd moved from Alabama, which of course is in the deep South. Uh, and at some point he had seen a place in Washington, DC doing good business with chicken wings. And so he decided to open something. Um, and he'd moved in 1948 to Buffalo. Uh, he had a, a tomato-based mambo sauce that he'd put on it uh, beginning in 1964. So I kind of feel like coming from Alabama, having traveled to Washington, D.C., the guy had been around. He'd certainly be familiar with, with some of the sauces available in the Deep South, you know, some of the ideas that he had, you know, between that, maybe talking to the Anchor Bar, you can kind of imagine this this sort of cross-pollination and, and, and the knowledge that it was really a confluence of events. I, I really think that that's kind of the, the interesting thing. Um, you know, Buffalo Wings, of course, exploded in popularity, and there are restaurants dedicated to just serving chicken wings and other stuff on the menu, right? Kind of like you can go to mcdonald's and they serve burgers and some other stuff on the menu right you can you can go there and buy a chicken sandwich or a fish sandwich or chicken nuggets but burgers are why they're in business um that are real estate right but with uh with buffalo wings right they're buffalo wing restaurants now they serve other stuff but buffalo wing like buffalo wild wings is the the major chain it's right in their name um there's there's other local chains there's a local chain in my area that has fantastic wings they're a little bit smaller than buffalo wild wings but they're very crispy. Um, their sauces are out, outrageously good. Um, and they're a restaurant that, like a lot of restaurants now, have a large variety of sauces, right? They love Jamaican jerk sauces and uh, Korean-inspired sauces and um, maybe a Chesapeake-inspired sauce with some Old Bay in it. Um, you'll have traditional buffalo. You'll have Peruvian flavors. There's all kinds of flavors of sauce that are out there. Um you know, blueberry, I think was mentioned on something I was reading. That's one I haven't come across. 
but they'll come up with their own little unique varieties and that's that's kind of a fun thing and then they'll generally have you know various spice levels of buffalo sauce which is also kind of a fun uh, a fun way to go because sometimes you're in the mood for something super spicy and sometimes you just want that flavor and you're in the mood for something a little more mild um the, the really hard thing is you probably don't want to stop eating because they're so good and you're going to get a stomach ache from from just how heavy and fatty some of these uh some of these wing sauces are and, and plus you've got all that chicken skin there so you know my advice is if you're going to go on a big chicken wing eating binge make sure that you uh you balance it out and <laughs> i don't know eat some bread or some vegetables or something get you know eat, eat that celery and and carrot basket that it comes with aside from the the main sauces that they're tossed in um wings are uh often served with a dipping sauce usually it's uh, ranch or blue cheese um it's typically blue cheese in in the area around buffalo um ranch i think becomes more typical the further away you get a lot of places will serve both depending what you ask uh, another variant that's out there is uh, boneless wings which is really kind of a chicken nugget that's been breaded, fried, and stuck in uh, stuck in some sauce. Um, you know, they're they're certainly very popular, and they're served at a lot of the big chain restaurants. There's also breaded chicken wings, where rather than fry the wing, uh, you know, just in some oil, they go they bread it first and then fry it, um, and then toss sauce on it. And my feelings on on what makes good wings are uh, are interesting because originally I said there's no way a breaded wing is worth eating compared to a real buffalo wing, but I I actually actually was ordering some from a local chain uh, pizza chain and I for for delivery wings you know from a pizza restaurant not from a wing place they were actually pretty good and they were breaded so that that changed my opinion now not enough to say that. Um, Breaded wings are the way to go. Still, I think you know, plain fried chicken wings are going to give you better wings. I personally want my chicken wings to be very crispy. I think that's pretty common. So if you're getting wings from the likes of Domino's and Pizza Hut, their wings are anything but. I, I don't know if they bake them or what. They probably do bake them in their oven, right, rather than deep fry them. And they put some kind of barbecue sauce on them. Uh, those, I mean, those are kind of the, the worst wings. And I'm not saying I won't eat them. I will. Um... You know, they don't taste bad, but, and, and you know, sometimes, if, especially in a non-dairy world, it's maybe the the better of uh, better option of, of what I can get at a place like that. But, you know, really a good wing should be crispy. It should be really crispy. And so that's a big part of, of that. If you're in an area near Buffalo and, and you get some wings that are crispy like you know, you can get them at, at pretty much any place. Um, you know, if you're at a good buffalo wing restaurant, they're going to have nice crispy wings. They might take a little longer to cook because, you know, good good wings take time. I personally like to order the wings without any sauce. They're generally called naked at, at different buffalo wing places. And then I like to get the sauce on the side so I can dip it, so I can keep it crisp as long as possible. Because I, I do find that the sauce soaking in will kind of take away a little bit from the from the crispiness and you know also it lets you kind of deviate a little bit from the their set quantities right if you go in they've got you know some number of wings it's five wings eight wings ten wings in one order and if you let's say you order 20 wings 
if it's 10 wings per order, then you're stuck with 10 of one kind, 10 of the other. But if you dip it, you could do 12 of one kind or an 8 of another if you want to, or, or whatever that is, right? You can go based on your mood. Um, like I said, sometimes spicy is really good. Um, in the in the buffalo variety, sometimes I go for a more mild sauce. Uh, just uh, that sort of depends on my mood. Sometimes, you know, just you kind of want that fire, and sometimes you don't. Um, a lot of buffalo places, buffalo wing places, will have these contests. Like, if you can eat 10 of their super spicy wings within 15 minutes with no drinking water, your meal's free and your name goes up on the board and you get a t-shirt or whatever it is. And uh, my favorite of these is when you go to these places, they'll sell them to you, but you have to sign a waiver and you have to schedule ahead of time so that they can make their special spicy sauce. I don't think anyone's ever gotten actually injured from them, but it's a fun idea that, that there's a waiver. So that's my feelings on on uh, what constitutes a good wing. And, you know, I, I, I already talked a lot about the common threads I see between the origin of these. The other kind of common thread I see is what their place is in in the menu, you know, in, in, in our minds while, when we look at these things. Like, what, what sort of space do they occupy? And they're all foods that we know are unhealthy, and yet we know to enjoy, right? Um, I also feel like there's a, a very wide variety in quality, depending on on what your focus is. You know, you can get kind of bottom-of-the-barrel nachos that aren't crispy, and it's using that, that cheese sauce stuff, and it's just not very good. Um, that The cheese sauce, so that's an interesting thing I, I forgot to mention. So the way that works is they have some special recipe canned stuff, and you're supposed to take that in a can of canned jalapenos, and then you take the liquid from the jalapeno can and mix it into the cheese sauce, and that's what gives the cheese sauce its spice, and it also helps uh, improve the economy of, of spreading out that cheese sauce. So I'll, I'll just mention that. But you can get that kind of stuff, and they serve it in the, the, the chips are stale, and they're soggy, and it's not very good. On the other hand, if you listen to that original recipe of nachos, right, where they fry it, put the cheese on, chop up jalapenos, and, and bake, like, it actually sounds like a pretty tasty, high-quality uh, way to produce them. Same thing with buffalo wings. I talked about sort of the low-quality wings that they sell at pizza restaurants, right? Most pizza restaurants, especially the major chains, don't have great wings because they don't have a fryer, and they're just not very good. But if you go to a, a place that specializes in wings... Right where it's not an appetizer, it's not a side item, but it's the main event, the quality goes way up. And I feel like tater tots are starting to make that same sort of transition from side item to maybe not quite main event. It's hard to have something that's just potatoes become a main event, but maybe. right? There, there are tater tot casseroles and stuff. I don't know what a restaurant version of that would look like, but I could imagine it, right? I mean, tater tots and uh, breakfast burritos, maybe? You know, something along those lines? Um, these are these are foods that kind of... We know they're not good for us, right? They're, they're not particularly healthy, but they are tasty. And they they live in this continuum of quality where they can be... You know, there to help push push along the main event, or they can be the main event, and that seems to be the thing that determines the quality by and large. Um, that said, there are, there are 
definitely certainly variations like you know even in inside of a chain of of uh, buffalo wing restaurants you know one location can be great another can be not so great and that all comes down to restaurant operations and, and so i don't want to want you to think about that way i want you to think about it as the the position it 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 holds in the restaurant and if it's key to the restaurant you're going to have a much better experience so if if you want to know how to make good buffalo wings at home get out your pot get some fresh wings you know thawed and, and everything don't don't get them frozen of course um clip them the way i said right clip off the tip separate the flat from the drumette get your oil nice and hot like you do for french fries and then drop them in that oil until they turn dark brown not burnt but dark brown very well cooked if you want you can take them out and put them in the oven on a rack that'll let some of the oil drip off and even increase the crispiness and then mix in your sauce again the sauce is very simple if you do 50 percent butter 50 percent uh vinegar based sauce whether that's tabasco or frank's red hot or uh, texas peat or you know the store brand any of those will work and uh and you mix them around or dip it in that that's how you get to have good buffalo wings if you if you're not in a place where you can order them um you know if you're you're out in another country they're probably hard to find with nachos um I think I've talked enough about how to do that. And like I said, with tater tots, it's good enough to just bake them at home. Um, but if you have a deep fryer, or you're gonna, you know, you're already frying up some wings, and you're looking for a stomach ache with lots of oil, then you can deep fry your tater tots too, and uh, and have the least healthy meal of your week. Well, I hope I've made you hungry tonight, listening to this, and uh, that I've given you some some knowledge you didn't have before on some of these common treats. Uh, if you have any comments for me or uh, want me to revisit any topics or answer any questions, you can reach out to me. The email address is available on the website, brightervening.com. My name is Josh, and this is Brighter Evening. Thank you for listening to Brighter Evening. I hope I've made your evening brighter. You can subscribe to us by RSS on Google or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more information on the show or this episode, please visit brightervening.com.